So let me just pull up uh, Filmation. Flemation. Flemation. Hallmark actually uh, bought them. Really? I'm, I'm trying to read this correctly. I think so. I think that's what it's saying. My understanding was that they got kind of pieced out. Mattel obviously ended up with all the He-Man, She-Ra, whatever else. Bad Albert went somewhere else, and I think all the DC stuff ended up at Warner Brothers. Yeah, and they quietly, very, very quietly released those. Like, oh, yeah, we have kind of super friends here. But get Justice League! <laughs> yeah, what what they did was uh, back, I think about 10 years ago, they uh, they were releasing all of the uh, all of the earlier shorts that were made in like the 60s and 70s. And they 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 brought they brought out all the all the Hanna-Barbera stuff, but they kind of quietly spliced in the, the, the Funimation stuff or the Filmation stuff as well. <laughs> we need to correct that from you, Neil. I, I can't help it. They're, those two names are so similar. I just you're gonna have you're gonna have a you're gonna have a Mason jar here, yeah. and every time you say the wrong Asian company, you have to put quarter in it. Inflammation. We have rules. Yes. <laughs> so so let's let's. Uh, oh boy. So uh, Festus keeps on bugging about my top ten favorite web comics for the anniversary show next week, and I finally sent him a list. Okay. I sent him a real list, not one of those let's piss Fez off, Fez off oh, lists. Okay. But did he did you did he ask a list from you too? No. Okay, I put SGVY, Girl Genius, Dossian, Penny Arcade, Eerie Cuties, Menage A3, Hero by Night, VG Cats, Discordian, Mind Mistress, just to ground it out. That's a pretty good list. Yes. Why do you say so? Yes. I just I decided to give it a good list. Some weird choices in there just so if Fest can go. Well, why'd you pick that? He'd be like, Where, "Where's, uh, where's little formers and, uh, and, uh, and what, what's that other one he likes so much? Uh, where's Short Pack? Oh fuck, Short Pack! You know what Short Pack did? This was a while ago. It, I was gonna blog about it, but no one would know what I was even talking about because it was so old. He did a comic where David Willis. Yeah, David Willis. He did a comic where his female character is bitching about sexualized female characters in comics so so he has the male character straw man go well male characters are sexualized too and she of course gripes about how that has nothing at all to do with with what she finds attractive bullshit okay first of all i wouldn't have argued that i wouldn't have said that men are sexualized oh i'm sorry the, the word was objectified well, they are all objectified. That's the whole idea that they are in a comic. They Actually, kind of... I would I would argue that none of them are objectified. These people don't know what objectified means. I was going for the very, very general. Yeah. That and... they were objects to be blah, blah, blah. Okay, go yeah. ahead. But anyway, it goes on, and the, the, the female character like goes, okay, hang on a sec. And then she draws like a picture of Batman to show what she finds attractive. And of course, it's like girly Batman. And I'm like, okay, so you aren't attractive to masculine men. You're attracted to a man who looks like a girl. Or that's what I would say to a woman who would actually argue this. But, of course, the comic is done by a man, so <laughs> what does it even mean? I don't know. Like like I said, Gail Simone is at least honest because she, she says things out loud like, this issue, Nightwing's ass is very important in this issue. I totally respect that, and I'm glad she, that she's out there. Also, you women out there listening to this, you might want to go check out PL Nunn's website. 
Um, not safe for work by any means, but if you like naked men, that's where to go. But I tend to follow Dr. Drew's theory of human sexuality, which is that men are vanilla and women are 31 flavors. That is to say that all men are pretty much drawn to the same stimulus, uh, whereas women are not so easily generalized. Some women uh, need a personal connection with, with their mate before they're sexually aroused, uh, but some aren't that way at all. Some like sexy asses, some like brawn, some like androgynous, and it's very hard to pin down uh, a simple subset of sexual cues from males that are universally receptive to females, whereas with men, it's much simpler. If you wanted to be asinine, you could say that there are two separate types of men, but really, there aren't. Guys who like boobs and guys who like asses, yeah. uh, they, they spill over into each other, so it's like a ratio of like 60-40. You could say you're a boob guy, but if some woman shakes her ass in, in your face, uh, you're going to be drawn to the ass, so... Really, all men are pretty much the same with very slight variations, but really it's all the same. And that's all okay, because my point in this is that I do Decian, and Decian is a sexy girl comic, and I've tried doing sexy stuff with the guys too, but uh, that doesn't get nearly the amount of reception as Decian does. And so I just write what I want to write and draw what I want to draw, and I don't really worry about it, because whoever likes it, likes it. Whoever doesn't, doesn't. And I seem to have a very large female reader base anyway, so whatevs. I don't even think about like, you know, am I, you know, you know, am I pleasing everyone? Because it's impossible; it cannot be done. So, so, so fuck David Willis. That was a stupid <laughs> comic. I don't know how long ago that was. I just happened to see it one day, and well, David Willis is an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Webcomic Beacon, a topical webcomics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast, recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Okay, so uh, let's get this episode started. You ready, Neil? More or less. I think this is going to be a lot more disorganized because this isn't really going to be a... Well, none of our shows are really like review shows, but... We are the review podcast. Yeah, Let's get this this is even going to be less so. It's just going to be. This is going to be a. No idea. This is going to because the genesis of this is that you know I was on I was on a geek cast podcast and uh, Optimus Solo. I'm not even going to repeat what he what the whole argument was because it's so it's so inane. But you could actually insert it right here. Beep. No, I'm not. Okay. Gonna do that. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, he 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 has an argument about a certain show that we both like and he's just wrong i'll just say that he is absolutely wrong and what he's what he's going to do is he's going to go on to the geek cast form he's going to write some sort of essay explaining why he thinks he's right and is this the essay about why clark kent and superman are two completely different people um it's similar to that <laughs> but he 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 told me what part of his argument's going to be. He's like, expect this to be a key component of my argument. I'm like, okay, well, expect me to have to have the rebuttal that I already have prepared. 
And he's like, well, you don't, you don't know what I'm going to argue. And I'm like, well, yes, I do. He's like, because he thinks that he thinks that he's only told me like the groundwork of his, of his argument. And, you know, once, once he gets into like the, the, the minutia, it's just going to be so overwhelming. And, and I'm like, no, actually it's not going to be like that because, because the foundation of your argument is wrong. Is and he one of those the, guys that freeze frames the uh, the stills images of the planes hitting in 9/11 and says, "If you look here, you can see the." It's similar to that, but I'm like I'm like trying to get through to him. I'm like, look, it's like arguing that a square has five sides, and then saying, "Well, well, wait a minute, you haven't heard my other arguments that are all based on this." It, I'm, and my my position is, it doesn't matter because if your base argument is wrong then every every argument that you have that's also based on that is also going to be wrong. So it's the foundation is going to I'm just gonna like pull one thread and the whole thing's gonna collapse. It doesn't matter what you write because you're you the first the first assertion that you make is wrong. So and the, and the, you can listen to the episode but basically Neil has the actual author saying Neil's right and Yeah, and you could hear <laughs> three other people on the podcast saying, No, you're you're wrong, Kevin. But anyway, not to not to digress from that. He at the very end, like we're off the air, and uh, like I said, we the the part that I just told where he goes, well, expect me to have a bigger argument. That wasn't actually on the air. That was like off the air, and just done in text chat. Oh, he throws in like kind of a snide comment based on the fact that I think like filmation is shit. I'm like, it is shit. It is. I don't I don't even know where your argument is. I just don't get the love for filmation. It's I I, I liken it like this. Uh, Neil, you go to uh, what, what's a, what's a diner style restaurant that you go to or know about that's in your area? You mean like a fancy diner or like a no a diner diner? Um, I don't really go. IHOP, uh, Denny's. Oh uh, yeah, you know, yeah, Denny's usually. Okay. Although I haven't been there in a while. Let's say Denny's has a kids menu. You know, it's like two chicken tenders and some fries, and it's not what the adults eat. It's just what the kid orders so that they can eat with the adult, right? Right. That's what filmation is. <laughs> well, it's it's like okay, I understand that this that he likes he likes He Man and She Ra and all those co- all those cartoons from the eighties. But what you have to understand is that He Man was like the beginning of the end for filmation. That it wasn't like the beginning. So I, I could even grant that He-Man is sort of worth watching. I mean, if I see it on Cuba, I'll watch it. But it's really like the best stuff the Filmation did really did come at the end. Everything that came before it, like two decades worth of just total garbage. <laughs> it's even just, most of He-Man's garbage, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. But it's it's okay garbage. It's, <laughs> it's like I don't I don't know what to what to compare it to, but it's like you know at least it's you know, sort of, it's it's stupid, but it's stupid in a funny way, and that's why I kind of give it a pass. But it's 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 definitely not like a, a work of art. Who would ever say it's a work of art? I don't know. But like like I said, I I think of it like this. You know, the '80s was a dark age for animation, and it was just the beginning of you know the Renaissance again. And and there you are at the kids' table with with your with your chicken tenders and fries. Chicken tenders. <laughs> and then, you know, it's the nineties now, you're a little bit older. It's like, do you want to keep on ordering chicken tenders and fries or do you want to do you want to buy a grand slam? Mm-hmm. But 
the thing is, I remember Filmation before He-Man. I'm old enough to remember that shit. I remember the Tom and Jerry Filmation. I remember the Mighty Mouse Filmation cartoons. Oh my god. These are... You're taking old Hanna-Barbera and old Terry Toon cartoons, and you're just destroying them. I mean, you're, you... What Filmation did was they took a big long piss on these on these classic characters. What Filmation does is it, it is it is it uh, buys a limited license on lo- beloved characters and then milks them. Yeah. In a very painful way, and a great example of that is the Looney Tunes. Yeah, Looney Tunes meet the group. It was Daffy Duck meets the Groovy Ghoulies, and that that was a crime unto itself. That that's probably like the worst of all. Because you actually have voice acting legend. Yeah, Mel Blanc. And they, I, I'm just kind of aghast at what they did with the voices. In two particular cases, Daffy and Porky. Somehow Filmation got the idea that you're supposed to speed up Daffy's voice, but it's like they sped it up too much. It's like double the speed what it should be. And then Porky, <laughs> they didn't speed it up, speed up at all. Porky should also be sped up. It's like that, in fact, that's that's the reason why a lot of those compilation movies from the 80s that, that Frizz Freeling and a couple other guys did, why those sound so wrong is because they didn't speed up the voices. And I could never figure that out. I'm like, why does Bugs in all the new footage sound terrible? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until later I'm like, oh, that's why. But anyway, yeah, you know, it's like – I think we mentioned last time that, that – uh, that Lou Scheimer started started his animation career at at uh, Larry Harmon Productions, and Larry Harmon is a person you've heard on this show before, who I have like a large degree of contempt for, and <laughs> he he uh, basically came into possession of the Bozo franchise uh, after it had become like a successful live action show on TV. He basically bought the franchise and. Uh, and made it an even bigger franchise. He's a good, he was a good businessman, but he, you know, wasn't very good at creating characters. In fact, he kind of made a good career of destroying characters. And you know, he he somehow got the Laurel and Hardy uh, property. I don't know how the hell he got his hands on that, but he clung tenaciously to that onto that until the day he died. And pretty sure his wife still owns that. And uh, he produced like a limited number of cartoons. He produced a Popeye cartoon, which eighteen cartoons. Yeah, and as a, as a kid, I could remember that there was a Popeye cartoon that had the sea hag, and I could never figure. I'm like, where are these cartoons that had the sea hag? And it was it was the Larry Harmon ones. It, they're <laughs> the only ones that I know for sure had the sea hag. And there's a reason why they were taken off the air uh, as early as the very very early '80s. It's because they're crap. <laughs> and the only reason why the Bozo cartoons stayed on the air for so long is because Larry Harmon basically held a gun to uh, to WGN's head and said, look, as long as Bozo was on the air, you're going to show these crappy cartoons that I made back in the 60s. And uh, and as it turns out, a lot of those cartoons, both the, po- the Popeye and the Bozo cartoons, uh, were – I don't – they weren't produced by, by – by, uh, Lou by Lou Scheimer, but he did contribute to a lot of them. And it seems like he got all of his ideas from those cartoons. And he took everything that they did at Larry Harmon productions and just brought it into filmation. 
In fact, he met one of his uh, his co-producers at Larry Harmon Productions, and they started they started filmation together. I'm trying to remember some of the very very earliest cartoons they did. They they did of course Super Friends and and uh, uh, they did like a Teen Titans cartoon. Oh, God, it was terrible, but it, was it, like, but not as bad as as <laughs> the more current ones. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of see. <laughs> As bad as some of the more current cartoons are, like like let's take the Popeye cartoons again. Those those Larry Harmon Popeye cartoons, I'd say those are the worst Popeye cartoons ever made. Even worse than Popeye and Son. Ouch. Ouch indeed. And Popeye and Son is shit. But no, the 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 Teen Titans and and Justice League cartoons that they did back in the sixties were awful. And then. Uh, God, what was the cartoon I was I, – I posted a cartoon on Facebook the other day that was like some sort of forgotten relic of, of the uh, of the Filmation archive. And, you know, one, one thing that Filmation did was that because of the rotoscoping and because they had, they had artists that were working in America as opposed to working with overseas, they – the cartoons had a deceptive level of quality sometimes where the cartoons would look really good, but then – you know, if you see more than one episode, then you start to realize that all those really well animated spots, you're gonna see them like, <laughs> you're gonna see them like 50 times per per uh, show. Hey, so, did the did the uh, did the what's his name ever work for Loose Chimer then? Because it sounds like he used that tactic. <laughs> what's his name? Um, oh, geez, I forgot his name. Uh, John Semper. John, it's possible. <laughs> I don't know. But. Well, you know what? If he didn't before, he probably would say he did now. But there was some there was some outer space show I can't remember the name of it now where he had like a little robot uh, companion that that you know lived with the heroes and and at one point in the cartoon the the robot starts to do a little dance and then he gets tied up in his robot arms and he gets all tangled together and I I looked at that I'm like wow that was really well animated therefore I'm going to say that that's probably going to be in every single episode that piece of animation right there yes <laughs> because that's how every filmation uh, cartoon works. If somebody ever takes a pratfall, or does a punch, or types on a on a keyboard, or does anything that that is just like a normal sort of action, you're going to see that a lot, and you're going to see that exact piece of animation over and over. And what's worse is that you're going to see a lot of the same actions done by different characters, and you see this a lot in He-Man, especially the run cycles. Every single character has the exact same body type. Funnily enough, you know, just like how the He-Man figures all had the same mold, same body mold, so too did the uh, cartoon versions. It's like every every character was based off the same actor. Yes, and uh, in the history of filmation, they did do lots of things. They did do the Star Trek cartoon, which we will do an episode on in the future. Uh, okay. It's some people consider it the uh, consider it season four. At, not me, but some people do. Anyways, <laughs> bad uh, people, Ben. Actually, lots of really good science fiction writers wrote episodes for that. That's, uh, but anyways, uh, well, weren't, weren't those episodes based on on pre-existing books? Or... Yes. Yeah. See, so when you say good writers wrote those episodes, that's why. <laughs> yes, but they legally wrote those episodes, not just oh, we're gonna take this and run with it. Yeah. Not Larry Harmon borrow those episodes, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, 
Filmation had one of the worst uh, ideals with animation, and and they they did create the the whole idea of the, the band cartoon, you know, with, with the Archies, and actually birthed some of the best properties by Hanna Barbera. They, they kind of did. <laughs> Where basically they said, well, you have the, the Archies here, and then Hanna Barbera's like, okay, well, we actually know how to animate. So here's Josie and the Pussycats, and here's here's Scooby Doo, and here's <laughs> yeah, there's like there's like a weird kinship between Hanna Barbera and Filmation, even though there's, there's like a there's like a very clear wall of separation. Somehow somehow they cross pollinate anyway, and I'm, I haven't really figured out how because well, it has to do with Archie Comics, Neil. It has to be more than that. I mean, there's like clear animation cues that are very similar between between the two studios, and it. Except Inner Barbera's looks good. Yeah, I haven't quite figured it out yet, but um, yeah, because I I had long suspected that maybe maybe uh, Shimer came from Hanna Barbera, but he didn't. It's like he, maybe maybe his head, uh, uh, you know, art director did. It's possible, but um, he. He seems to have more more in common with like the other studios, like the like the uh, the Jay Ward cartoons and the, uh, the 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 Leonardo cartoons and whoever the hell made Roger Ramjet. Except that all those cartoons are you know are much more you know they're much more uh, they have much more character to them. Whereas they have charm. Yeah. Whereas Filmation looks really lifeless and bland. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 well drawn bland, but it's well sometimes, but. It's bland nonetheless. <laughs> well, to to me with filmation, like I said, I just look at like like this. They they made a, they made a cartoon about Archie characters in a band. Hanna Barbera made a cartoon about Archie characters in a band, and they made a bunch of other cartoons. Like Scooby Doo was originally going to be a band cartoon yeah. that became something else that became sort of like the lifeblood of later Hanna Barbera, where Hanna Barbera was making all these things that were making one percenter jokes. Not all the time, but some of the time, and and it's like I like I've always said, you have to actually watch the first season of Scooby Doo before you condemn Scooby Doo as this lifeless thing that people make fun of, where there's always run tracks and and zippy sounds it's like that stuff like that. The first season of Scooby Doo is extremely well animated and extremely diverse in its animation, with lots of use of different shots every episode yeah well there is a good distinction between between filmation and hanna-barbera because even though hanna-barbera reused a lot of uh a lot of stock cells and you know to save money of course even though they did that uh they knew to use reuse animation sparingly and they knew to animate it in such a way that it's like it's simple and it can be used in many different contexts whereas like filmation Filmation would have like really complex animation cycles that didn't work for a lot of the scenes they tried to fit them into. Like a lot of one of the one of the big criticisms criticisms with He-Man is like sometimes uh, they'll reuse a shot for something, but it'll produce a continuity error. Like somebody should you know have some sort of battle damage or something, or and then the shirts off or something like that. Yeah, and then and then the character will then they'll use this like stock footage to have the character you know, walk onto the screen or do something and, and there will be a continuity disconnect and they'll try to get away with it by, by having it like a beer, be a really fast cut. But, you know, if, because of the advent of VCRs, you know, people could like pause and slow the, slow the video down and see that there were errors. And the fact that 
Filmation reused footage much more often than Hanna-Barbera did to the point where you, you instantly knew you were watching a Filmation cartoon. There was never any question. I knew what a Filmation cartoon looked like. <laughs> and whereas Hanna-Barbera could kind of fool me every now and then. I, I could still tell when I was watching a Hanna-Barbera cartoon too, but it, it was, there was much more like crap. Yeah. There was much more variety. And on the subject of Scooby-Doo, uh, it's possible that that Hanna-Barbera just straight up stole the idea from Filmation because, as we all know, early Hanna-Barbera had a tendency to to uh, take uh, character ideas and take uh, inspiration from other from other properties and kind of throw them into what they were doing. Like obviously, Yogi Bear is uh, is is uh, Norton, the the neighbor on the Honeymooners, and and. Uh, Fred the Flintstones. Flintstones, Flintstones were also based on the Honeymooners, and and Wally Gator is Ed Wynn, and Top Cat is Sergeant Bilko, and so on and so forth. Um, for the longest time, I didn't know what Scooby Doo was based on until I saw an episode of Dobie Gillis, and then I was like, "Hey," because <laughs> the character of Dobie Gillis is totally Fred Jones, and uh, Maynard G. Krebs, played by uh, played by uh, God, what's, God damn it, what's the guy's name? Uh, Gilligan, um, uh, off Denver. Yes. Yeah, that that is totally Shaggy, which is kind of funny because uh, eventually uh, Gilligan's Island ended up being a cartoon for Filmation. Well, you know the funny thing about uh, about Filmation is there's actually one cartoon that was animated by TMS that Filmation did. Oh, that the Zorro. And they somehow were able to get bad animation out of TMS. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> that is a talent. It must that... have been like a level of micromanaging that were they were like, no, you, you have to do it this way. And that... they didn't understand that if you just set TMS free, you know, they'll give you, you know, like A plus work. Well, what I think is funny is if you want, ever watch the Filmation Zorro cartoon, there's a shot of Don Diego, uh, De La, blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, running downstairs. Yeah. And like I said, you have to watch this scene and remind yourself, TMS did this. <laughs> and that was the only time that Filmation ever uh, farmed out to uh, overseas studio. Because usually they were very proud proud to announce that uh, their cartoons are made in America. Yeah, this is a case where I, I, I would say go globalization here. Okay. Neil? I yeah. am sending you the link to the Zorro. I think you'll see the shot I'm talking about. And like I said, watch this and remind yourself. TMS did this. Okay. This is this is actually quite bad. We're going to put this in the show post. It's that bad. bad. Tia, TMS did this. It, they really did. See the run down the stairs? It's it's coming up. Uh, what the? You know what? You showed me this before. Yeah. <laughs> TMS did that, Neil. It's you know, I'm gonna blame this on micromanaging because there's obviously rotoscoping going on here, <laughs> and it's rotoscoping that I don't think that that TMS would have done. They're like, you have to use our stock footage. We we pose this all out for you. That's well, probably what they did. did. They they probably like like had a bunch of actors act it all out, and then they sent all the film reels to Japan and said, okay, do it exactly like this. And then they sent back the first <laughs> shots. Yeah. Like, no, this is much too good. Do it again. This is obviously not us doing it. Do it again. <laughs> well, I don't think they did that. I think they just they made it as difficult as possible for TMS to give them good results. And so what they got back is 
what what it is, and they just said, okay, we're going to air this <laughs> as it was done. I just can't believe it. Like I said, just that shot of the running down the stairs. Because any other studio, any other studio would have done like a, would have done like a a two frame thing where it's like, okay, here's the character at the top of the stairs, here's the character at the bottom of the stairs, animate him running down the stairs, and you would have gotten a much better result. Or even just show speed lines with him already on the bottom of the stairs with speed lines and say, here. Because, <laughs> because you don't really need a lot of in-betweens for that. It's just like uh, the Japanese animators could, could have figured out how to do that on their own. I think they've been animating longer than Lou. Yeah. And who who's this Norm Prescott guy that's... Um, that might be the... No, actually it isn't. Um, okay, Lou Scheimer and Hal Sutherland met at, met at Larry Harmon Productions. And then... Uh, they brought in, yeah, they brought in Norm Prescott, and then the three of them, the three of them made filmation. What that that one picture that we have on our uh, avatar, where it's like, where it's like, uh, it's Lou Scheimer, two other guys. That's the three of them. Oh God. Yeah, that's all three of them. It's just really hard to watch filmation now. It, it was hard for me to watch back then, and I was glad I didn't have cable back yeah, and then. And you were watching the best stuff back then. That that was He Man. <laughs> It's like, well, that's, I also watched, that's, as, that's as good as Filmation ever got. How how bad is that? It's time for intermission, boys and girls. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast... Join us here on the telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. Are you looking for a weekly dose of gaming news and retro? Then check out Off the Cuff, available Fridays on GeekCast Radio Network from the producers of XRG. New name, same... Yes, that's right. We have traveled to Eternia to enter Castle Grayskull. Join Optimus Solo and TF2 and Mike as they find themselves telling tales of Eternia. We cover all things He-Man in this 45-episode-long podcast. You can find us on iTunes and www.geekassradio.com. By the power of Grayskull, we all have the power. And now, back to the show. I also watched Ghost Space Busters. Oh my god. Not much, but I have seen some of it. I I missed out on Brave Star. Brave Star. That's another one where, because they kept using the same animation cells over and over, it was like wink. Yeah, the wink. That's like the one piece of animation that I just remember being burned into my fucking head <laughs> because it happened every single episode. You knew it was coming because it, they, not only were they reusing the same the same animation cells, but they would reuse all the sequences in the same order. So you knew that once this happened, then the next thing would follow, and then this and that, and it was ridiculous. And God, the the, the Ghostbusters cartoon that had the longest uh, continuous uh, transformation scene of any of the filmation cartoons. What? How long was that? Like ninety minutes, ninety seconds, or something? 
it rivaled the length of all the Sailor Senshi uh, transforming. It really did. And that was ridiculously long. And that was Toei, and we tolerate Toei doing that. Barely. I mean, that that was ridiculous for Toei to do that. And that was like if all of them transformed at the same time. Whereas if in He-Man, if He-Man and She-Ra transformed at the same time, and there was an episode where that happened, I you swear to go, God, that went go on bathroom, so long. You go to the bathroom, get your business done. Number one for sure. Two if it's a quick one. You could you could get up, make a sandwich, uh, use a use a guardian force in Final Fantasy VIII. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it was absolutely ridiculous. You know, it was in Secret of the Sword. Now that I, now that I think about it, there was a transformation sequence where where both He Man and She were transformed at the same time, and I think both Battle Cat and uh, and Spirit or was it Spirit? I don't, I don't remember the name of the horse, but. It's like all four of them transform at the same time, and I was just like checking my watch. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> it's like, come on, Lou. Well, just like everyone else that's uh, that's in entertainment, once formation meds end, Lou did what everyone else who falls in hard times in entertainment does. Went into the porn industry. Yes. <laughs> See, he did. this. This is the sad part because what this means is there, there is that there's a connection between Bozo and Robin and the Dreamweavers, and that makes me sad. <laughs> that makes me cry. Oh my god, I still, I, I still am baffled that that exists. It, I, I saw it. I just don't know what to say. I threw up. <laughs> you did throw up. <laughs> it's other Trevor. <laughs> It caused a reverse peristaltic chain reaction. <laughs> yeah, to get away from your cat. Because <laughs> your cat started looking a little sick there, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't take much for the cats to throw up. <laughs> but that that's actually another example of how Lou Scheimer just does not know, know how to make appealing characters. Those characters were, like, absolutely dead. There was no characterization in that cartoon at all. And the the characters were not designed to be cartoon characters. They were designed to be, I don't know, easy easily animated characters for a bad animation studio. Overseas, at least, yeah. they were designed for overseas, at least something that he's never done before. Yeah, they were designed for overseas, but it was designed it was designed the wrong way. It was like designed the way like uh, the like Fox X Men. Yeah, the Fox X Men, or like or like those terrible USA cartoons, like the. You know, like the Double Dragon cartoon, where uh, it's like they were designed to be easy to animate, but they weren't designed to be like nice to look at. Ah, uh, when you said USA, I was actually picturing Street Fighter. Well, that too. <laughs> Street Fighter, uh, Mortal Kombat, Defenders Double, of the Realm, Double Dragon, all all cut from the same same cloth. Double Dragon didn't uh, Scott McNeil do a voice in that one? I think Scott McNeil did a voice in every single one of those. and I, I'm beginning to frown at Scott McNeil. Everyone's like, he's such a good voice actor. I don't like, look. He's got two voices. Yeah. He, he, he's he got the he's got the Ken voice where he kind of sound, sounds like a punk. And then he, what's the other voice? His, the other voice is, uh, isn't it, uh, isn't it uh, Piccolo? Is he Piccolo? I thought he was Piccolo. I don't think so, because Piccolo is the same guy who does Vegeta. He's the same guy who does... Uh, 
I don't know. There's like one guy in drag. No, 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 no. Scott McNeil didn't do Piccolo because it's the same voice as his Wolverine voice, which is the same voice as his Dinobot voice. Maybe it was like maybe it was the ocean dumb. Let me let me take a look at this. Because <laughs> I I'm pretty sure he was not in the the Funimation dub. We went from filmation to Funimation. Yeah. Okay. The Ocean Group. He was in. He was on the Dragon Ball Z Ocean Group dub. He was Piccolo. So you were right on that. He was Jace. He was. He was Jace. Yeah. He. Oh, so he's responsible for <laughs> for Space Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and he did a bunch of voices in seasons that we never got to hear him because they stayed in Canada. Yeah. Let's take a look here. He did. Uh... See American cartoons. Yeah, he, he was in Double Dragon. That was right. He was in uh, X Men. Yeah, he was Wolverine. I knew that. He was in uh, he was in Reboot. He was in uh, he was in the Transformers uh, Beast Wars Beasties. Of course he was. See, I knew it. And he was, he took over for Chris Lotta uh, for Cobra Commander in uh, the Deke GI Joe. Oh, which makes me sad. But we understand that Chris Lotta was sick. He played he played Jesus in an animated Ben Hur that I've never heard of. Okay. Featuring the voice of Charlton Heston. What is this? 2003. What is this? This was Heston's last film. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't fair. God. What is this? Is this, is this like my Wisdom Trees animation department? Um. That's a rhetorical question, Neil. I know, I, I but you know there there is something to that. There not not that it was Wisdom Tree, but there is like like some Christian animation group that like does these kind of low budget Christian productions, and a lot of popular voice actors kind of secretly go and do these. Like if you if you look really long and hard, you will eventually find like Christian cartoons that have guys like Richard Horvitz and uh, um, Rob Paulson and. Like all these guys who you think would only be in respectable cartoons, and they're doing this shit. <laughs> and yeah, Charlton Heston's playing Ben Hur, and Scott McNeil is playing Jesus. God. Well, <laughs> oh boy, Kathleen Barr, Long John Baldry, Mackenzie Gray. Like, like what was that PBS show we were we were looking at? <laughs> oh, it was a, it was a. Book of Virtue. Yeah, it were, it's not even a Christian cartoon. There are like people in there. It was, that, a, it was an agnostic. Uh... <laughs> it was, it's like one of those secret shame cartoons that people kind of leave off their resume and they, they kind of do them because it's kind of like the nicey nice thing to do. Yeah, Tales from the Book of Virtues, which is uh, is Adventures from the Book of Virtues, pardon me, which is this, which is kind of like, like I said, it's an agnostic Christian cartoon. And what I mean by that is there's no Christianity in it. There's no Christian message, but it's all about the, you know, it, it's like Fractured Fairy Tales, but takes itself seriously. Where they get all their, their lessons from a bison. Bison! And uh, and that's another cartoon where the characters are designed to be animated by a shitty cartoon studio, but they're not designed to be interesting to look at. And it has voicing the bison, Kevin Michael Richardson. <sighs> voicing the prairie dog, Jim Cummings. Yeah. And that that was the one where I, I, without even looking at it, I predicted that Tim Curry would be in that. And you're like, God damn it, he is. 
Yeah, he is. So Scott Bakula, Dean Kane, uh, Michael Dorn. <laughs> Scott Bakula couldn't leap out of that one. Mark Hamill, Mark Harmon, Charles Heston again. Charlton Heston. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. You said he was, he was in that. Ma- Malcolm McDowell, Ricardo Montalban. Okay, Pat Morita, Lou Diamond Phil- Phillips, Bron- Bronson Pichot. Uh, <laughs> what was the name of this again? Stories from the Book of Virtue. Adventures from the Book of Virtues. Elijah Wood, Michael York. Got it auto filled. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Google. <laughs> Because I just want to see if, by any chance, these two things, this Ben Hur cartoon and the Book of Virtues cartoon, if they may have been animated by the same company. Because it's it's always possible. I don't think so. Like I said, this was very agnostic. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. It doesn't appear to be. <laughs> the almost spelling a conspiracy. Wow. I still can't believe this Ben Hur cartoon exists. Yeah. Don't kill. Don't tell Kitty Hawk. She's gonna hear this. <laughs> oh God. Oh yeah. Where were we? Oh yes. Filmation sucks. Yeah. Very disorganized episode. But that's okay because it was meant to be that. Because if we had to go through the history of filmation, that would be painful. Yeah, it's really not necessary to go through the history of filmation because it's just the same story over and over again. It's it's they, came, uh, they yeah, fell, looted porn. No, that's not what I meant. I meant like every cartoon basically has the same genesis. It's just like, uh, here's an idea for a cartoon. It's not very well thought out. We're just going to animate like maybe, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes of really good animation. And then we're going to reuse all that anima- animation over and over for every single episode, including all the pratfalls and all the complex animations that you know should really only be used for one scene ever. We're going really- to reuse all of those. What's really funny about the, about that cartoon is uh, He-Man, especially, is He-Man was originally going to be animated by Nelvana. God, that hurts. No, it was. They, I know. Actually, there's actually a commercial that I know. Nelvana I did s- animate. I've seen it, yeah. That we'll actually looks good. Yeah, and that's why it hurts. Because Nelvana, you know, well, for for television animation, I think, you know, it would have kind of wavered, you know, as the series went on, like like all cartoons do, but it still would have been better than what Filmation ultimately did. Yeah, we got we got to hand to those Canadians, you know. Yes, they did droids, but... <laughs> they did droids. They did. I know. But I got to give Nilvana some love here. Even if they did droids. I would rather watch droids than watch Secret of the Sword. Because it, at least droids had... Uh... Droids was shorter. Yeah, it was fewer episodes... And it had the voice of C-3PO. It had uh, Anthony Daniels. I've tried to watch Droids and Ewoks. Over. That's asking for trouble because Ewoks had more than one season. Ew. <laughs> well, Ewoks had more than one movie. Oh, boy. There were two Ewok movies. That is true. Live-action Ewok movies. That is true. That has the Lucas stamp of approval on it. And now Disney owns them. Well, I think... Do they? Because there, there may be... You know, just like how... Disney doesn't own all the Muppet movies. There may be some lingering uh, 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 distribution rights that Disney doesn't have yet, so maybe they don't have those yet. Okay, so there's two Ewok made-for-TV movies. Yeah. Ewok Battle for Endor. Yeah. And Caravan, Caravan of Courage, an Ewok adventure. And these are real things. I know. 
I wasn't there a family like in one that that technically died in the second one or something like that? Yes. Oh god damn it. Okay. That's that's kind of dark. Okay, here is here is the story. Um uh, ABC Okay, okay. MGM owned the rights for the uh, release through the 90s of VHS at Laserdisc. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only theatrical trailer of the film was issued on the Spaceballs rental VHS. Wow. How does that make you feel? That's that's crossing the streams. <laughs> that's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to see who owns the rights for it now. Yeah. Okay. Because I was thinking about this is that um, – about Disney, like what they own. Like, oh, my God. What? 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 Wilford Brimley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's coming back to me now. But anyway, the two the two Muppet movies that Disney does not own the distribution rights for are the two that were released by, uh, by uh, Paramount. Mm-hmm who also happen to own the distribution rights for all the Indiana Jones movies. So it's like there's a good possibility that Disney's not going to have the rights to those to the to the old Indiana Tr- Jones trilogy for some time. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, according to this this was distributed by ABC. Mhm. And uh which is well, Disney. Okay. So so regardless of which Disney owns this. Okay. So So of all the of all the uh of, of all the Star Wars movies, the two that they have the firmest grasp on are the two, the two Ewoks movies. <laughs> yes. God damn it. You know what? Maybe Disney's benevolent because they could have put this out. I don't know. You know who wrote the story for 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 Ewoks: Battle for Endor? What? Who? There's only one story by credit. He has a turkey deck. George Lucas. Yes. I just sort of gave it away there. Look, looking back on on that, that should have been like a warning. Should have been a warning that that episode one should never have been made. And Caravan like, Courage was written by George Lucas and Bob Carew. See, it's like I don't know how we were so fooled in the eighties. Everyone thought that George Lucas was a genius, and yet we had we had plenty of evidence otherwise. We had Howard the Duck. That's our friend Boba. Oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we you know, can trust Boba. God damn. It. <laughs> he seems like a friend. <laughs> you you know how there was that one uh, at one up podcast where they were like they were uh, theorizing that that Boba Fett was like a was like theorizing. A, <laughs> it, it was a theory, but anyway, they were they're saying but that all the evidence is right there. I know, but you're saying that Boba Fett was like a. It's like a bumbling idiot and everything. It turns out that that podcast is still going, and I didn't know about it. It's called the Duck of Death. Yeah, it's called the Duck of Death podcast. And they were, and I was catching up on some old episodes, and they were they were talking about the Star Wars franchise again. They were saying that, uh, you know, what what George Lucas should do is like is like uh, uh, modify the old movies even further, and give give Boba Fett his own son, and like. You know, you know the scene where he falls into the into the Sarlacc pit and the Sarlacc pit burps. Yes. What what should happen is that at, when when it burps, there should be like a a CGI Boba Fett helmet that should come flying out, and then it lands in the sand, and then Boba Fett's son, who is new to the movie, you know, picks up picks picks up the helmet and like does the same thing that happens in Episode Two, where he just kind of like looks into the helmet, and then the head slowly 
plops out. <laughs> yeah. Or or worse because because he's like a clone of Boba Fett, but or no, he's Boba Fett's son and but he's not he doesn't have the enhancement that the clones have. Therefore he's even clumsier and so he like drops the helmet and he goes to pick it up but he keeps he keeps tripping over it and <laughs> Well you do know that in the extended universe Oh god, fuck the extended universe. I was waiting for the slaps. Oh, we've done that joke so many times. Okay. Well, in the extended universe, Boba Fett survives the Sarlacc yeah. pit. Yeah. There's actually one story where he survives, gets out, and then falls back in. That's funny. <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyway. Let's see. Was there, any, was there any more to say about Filmation? Filmation sucks. <laughs> It really did. I mean, like I said, you can you can watch the individual shows. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm, I can't really I can't really complain if someone just says, you know, I this show is kind of sucky, but I like to watch it. You know, like we said about other cartoons, if you admit that it sucks and you just say you'd like to watch it, that's fine. Well, that but, kind of disarms but, us. Is it? What, yeah. what can we say to that? Yeah, but when you, you have bad taste, well, you admit you have bad taste. But when you try to deny that that the studio was terrible. I mean, come on, <laughs> come on. It's filmation. They, they were, uh, they were notoriously awful. They, Oh my God. They did people who, who tried to defend filmation. Did you, did you not see the, the new adventures of mighty mouse? Did you not see what they did to heckle and Jekyll? Did you, <laughs> did you not see the Archies? I mean, or Daffy duck meets. Yeah. It's the, like the police. Like there's there's like a quarter century of evidence to to kind of go over. It's not really debatable. They really or, or the fact that that Lusheimer is the only one I've ever seen get bad animation out of TMS. Yeah, that that's a feat in itself. Like how do you do that? Very carefully. God, that that stare animation is just <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> now that you know it was TMS, it it kind of looks like it kind of looks like. Yeah, you know, it's a person like holding a doll, and they're just kind of like bouncing him down the stairs. That's what it looks like. <laughs> I can definitely see some TMS animation in Zoro's cape. Yeah, just his cape though. Just his cape. Because there's no way they could rotoscope a cape. Yeah, because they probably weren't using wind machines when they were recording the stock footage. So TMS was like, ah, here's some place where we could be creative. Let's With animate the... the cape. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, those poor guys at TMS—they must have been trying to like do something with it, and and you know, Shimer was just like, "You're going to do it my way," and wags his finger at them, and they're like, "But we're better animation. We're better animators than you." Well, he's got a well. He had a story for them. He, he says, "Well, I got a story for you." Oh, <laughs> and then they and then the Japanese animators immediately backed away from his giant ass finger. Mm. <laughs> that but, was no. just awkwardly animated. But as we all know, TMS was also one of the the principal animation studios that worked on Animaniacs. And you know that 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 filmation portion of that one episode was so accurately done. Sometimes I wonder if like. If like the TMS guys remembered that, and they're like, "Okay, we understand what's going on here. We're making fun of filmation. Let's make fun of filmation because <laughs> it, it looks be... it looks dead on. It looks like a filmation cartoon." You gotta remember something about uh, about the Japanese 
Neil. They never forget. They never forget. <laughs> and they never forget. You, and you we, know damn well that some of the people on the American side definitely worked at Filmation. Well, Paul Dini did. Oh yeah, they're like, this this is this is our opportunity to really slam them. I mean, when Paul Dini was interviewed about Filmation, the most he would say is, "I was there." Yeah, I was there. <laughs> and then smash cut to someone else. <laughs> yes. Because you know they 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 asked John Kay and he's like oh I'm gonna say this this and that and then they hung up on him. Yeah, John Kay was probably when he was if they got him at all he probably would have like sat down for an interview and he was already like saying fuck this fuck that. <laughs> yeah, like, you're not gonna get a soundbite out of me. <laughs> Whereas Paul Dini he was probably just he probably just sat down and said well Phil Mason runs the studio and then they cut away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And wasn't Bruce Tim very briefly there too? I don't remember seeing Bruce Tim there at all. Well, uh, uh, oh, you mean uh, you mean not not necessarily in the uh, in the in the documentary, but actually working at Filmation. Yeah, I yeah, think he was there. Yeah, and uh, Kennedy was there. Definitely was. There. Yeah, yeah. That it's you, you look at the you look at the at the uh, the credits to the Filmation cartoons. It looks like a rap sheet. Like. <laughs> All, all these all these people who you know would like to have their names erased from from these from this record and it's like it's like their secret shame it's like yeah we worked on those cartoons yeah that's right Bruce Tim would rather be known for the work he did for Playboy than <laughs> I'm sure he would at least he got to draw sexy girls on yes. That's another thing we have to mention about Filmation before we leave is Filmation found a way to suck the sexiness out of female designs. For the most part, I mean, some of the some of the Masters of the Universe characters, female characters, were kind of okay to look at. And then they start talking. Yeah, and again, it's like all the same actress. You could tell that the Sorceress and Tila and Princess Adora were all the same actress. Well, same, the... same facial structure and everything. It was, it was just a matter of how much helium they pumped into the room, which character she was. <laughs> because the sorceress. Adam, please hurry. I don't remember what the sorceress sounds like. I don't. Her like, voice is really, really freaking high pitched. Like, uh, I think I think it was just like uh, Lou Scheimer speeding up, speeding up and slowing down the tape. Because uh, that was a that was another one of his uh, his many tricks. Is that he liked he liked the. Uh, pitch shifting all the voices like especially his because that that orco uh, voice that he did that's completely unimitatable oh, because that, that, that's the thing i have to mention about uh, lou scheimer if you want proof about how cheap lou scheimer is orco's original name started with a q but to save animation so they could mirror flip it they named him orco instead so it's an o on his shirt instead of a q on the shirt mm, I, don't, I don't know that a lot of a lot of uh, studios would have done that, but but uh, that'd be like saying Superman can't be called Superman because there's an S on his shirt. Okay, yeah, there's that, but <laughs> but you know Superman he kind of comes prepackaged with that S design. You can't really change it. Whereas when they're when they're making an all new uh, property, you know it's kind of like well if you had an O for his shirt instead of a Q, you know that might be a better idea. You know it's kind of like it's kind of like a DJ in, in Street Fighter too. It's like the reason why his why his pants say maximum is so that you could flip it and it would say the same thing both ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, it, he liked to pitch shift his voice in particular. Like 
if there was ever like a like a wacky sidekick character in any filmation cartoon, it was usually uh, Lou Scheimer. He was yeah. uh, he was Orko. He was uh, I think he was the car in, in Ghostbusters. He was uh, the horse. Uh, yeah, he was probably the horse in uh, in Brave Star. He was he was. I'm trying to remember what that what that sci-fi show I was talking about was. God, I can't think of it. But he was like the robot character in that. He was, uh, um, you know, the Brown Hornet that that kind of cartoon within a cartoon on uh, on uh, Bad Albert. There was like yeah. a little there was like a little like robot character in that. He was the voice of that. He was Cowl. He was Spirit. He was pretty much any wacky character. All right, and to wrap this up, today's episode of Animation Festivals was about friendship. <laughs> Oh God! It just one final stab at filmation. The freaking this episode was about blank. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like they designed the stories to be interpreted that way. It was like they they wrote the stories and then they had I think they said they had one guy who basically sat there and tried to shoehorn a moral message into the show. Yes. Yeah. Which you know, one one of the things that Carl Masick you know would kind of like take a few pot shots at, at he-man for was that you know when they when they were adapting robotech you know he was like well you know we didn't have to uh we didn't have to abide by this fcc thing because the moral message that because any moral message that we were required to give was already built into the show so you know we didn't have to have this manufactured moral thing to throw at the end you know not like the sailor moon says or the the gi joe now you know annoying is half the battle crap yeah, the kid who grabbed the hot doorknob should have had the flesh burn off his hand. <laughs> I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. I know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and the barbecue shows up and says, hey, you shouldn't do that. Right after his hand sandwiches. <laughs> did, I show, did I show that to Flint Dilly? I think you did, yeah. <laughs> That was inappropriate of me. <laughs> that's okay. Oh God. <laughs> but that's that's our that's our episode called Yes, we checked. Filmation still sucks. Yeah, that's that's our that's our big middle finger to filmation. And uh special middle finger to our friend at uh, the Geekcast Radio Network. <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna do that, but yeah, I was inspired by that. And, it, and I understand it's it's me reacting to just one thing that someone said and maybe I'm blowing it out of proportion, but still that kind of irritated me that he just kind of something that we hadn't even talked about in months. And he just kind of like throws it in my face and I'm like, dude, come on. It's filmation. Just live with it. It, it was bad. Who it, cares? It, it's it, bad. It really was. It really was. Okay. Maybe it wasn't the worst studio ever because there was Larry Harmon productions and Larry Harmon productions was worse. Well, but, that's just morally worse because of what it did with Bozo. Yeah, but if you look at the animation in those cartoons, they were so bad. Whereas Filmation, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Filmation was a step up from that. It's like the only time in in all of animation that I could say that Filmation was a step up from anything. Mm. It's like even even like the uh, the uh, the mid '90s shitty cartoons like Double Dragon. I would really have to think. I would really have to consider it to say whether or not those were actually worse than filmation cartoons. <laughs> I, I would have to really sit and ponder that for a while. Like, hmm, I don't know. That would be a tough one. Sophie's Choice? 
don't know. Okay, anyways, right. that, that's our special Filmation episode. This is your host, Ben. And TV's Mr. Neil with a hoarse voice for some reason. <laughs> All right. Wink. And we're saying goodnight. Uh-huh. Goodbye. Where are we this time? Seems like a vast video wasteland. Oh, ho, ho. Resources, and I'm gonna chant a message to you. <laughs> Please don't. We've suffered enough on Saturday mornings. We just wanna have fun. Fun? We better get the guys. Order, 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 order in the clubhouse, everybody. But nobody said anything, Orson. I know. I had to get us over that long establishing shot. Hey, name four sources of warm milk. Hot chocolate and three cows. <laughs> Got the comedy hook nose, Harold. They already did. These newcomers want to have fun in our vast video wasteland. But nobody does but fun but here, but... You don't have fun? No, we prefer to preach pro-social values till they spew out everyone's ears and all over the ground. <laughs> Three cows. Harold! Sorry. Anyone got anything to add? Tadeo? What the heck am I doing here? You got a funny name. Point of order. I move we banish these three from our vast video wasteland. Really? You're not just saying that to flatter us? Get him, guys! Kid, horse. We're limited to three new scenes of animation per show, and we use them to get here. Make it show! All right, well, let's get ready for this because this is going to be a short segment. Okay. Turtles. Yes, let's talk about turtles. Tonight I dine on turtle soup. Oh, boy. All right, everyone. Let, let me just put this straight. Lots of people that are fans of the 1987 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series hate Turtles Forever. And I don't know why. And and that's the thing. It's if you actually watch Turtles Forever, the amount of love that they had for '87 in it is apparent. They they copied the character. They the the animators scrounged up the original character designs that were sent to Korea back in 1987 and replicated them lovingly. They they copied the color palette lovingly. There, there's nothing but turtles love in Turtles Forever, and. And I think part of this is this mindset that the 1987 Turtles were supposed to be badass or something, but they weren't. No, it was clearly like a goofball version of the Turtles. Because they looked at that comic and they were like, well, we can't really adapt this. So let's so let's just go totally cartoony, wacky and funny with it. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. It was it was a, a enjoyable show for at least a few seasons. <laughs> Red skies. Uh, let's not talk. That didn't happen. And the, the thing is, people said there were no mutant bananas. And I say there were there were mutant uh, meatballs on pizzas. 
And one guy went, one guy goes, technically that was an alien egg. So I responded back with a picture of a knife cutting a hair in half. I just have to question why the what's with all the hate for turtles forever. I think part of it is people hate the O three series because it wasn't a carbon copy of eighty seven. It went with it went with something that like what Kevin Eastman Peter Laird wrote because one of them was producing the damn show. Yeah, and plus even if they wanted to to re- replicate Turtles ninety seven or Turtles eighty seven, they they couldn't have done that. Because the, you know the, what they had back then just could not be replicated. They didn't have the same actors. They didn't have the same writers. So you you would never reproduce that the the charm that that uh, cartoon had. And and let's be fair to the voice actors they did get. They were damn close to replicating those voices. Yeah, that guy that guy was <laughs> that was doing Raphael. That was a pretty darn good Rob Paulson impersonation. And and, and the Leonardo. Did sound haunting like Cam yeah. Clark. Yeah, he was a little low, but it wasn't bad. It, it was closer to Cam Clark's uh, Canada than his Leonardo. <laughs> and yes, that is a that is a, a vague reference. Tatsuo! Canada! But, uh, <laughs> but yeah and I'm bringing this up because the the new Nickelodeon cartoony series with the horrible ass CG designs is doing their own version of Turtles Forever where they actually got Rob Paulson and Cam Clark and the other two guys whose names escape me. Well they were able to get they were able to get one of those guys anyway Rob Paulson anyways because he was voicing Donatello in yeah. this new version so it's like hey dude can you voice Raphael again? Two voices in one cartoon? I've never done that before. Oh, wait. I've done that in lots of cartoons. <laughs> yeah, they, they got Cam Clark back. They got the, the quick bunny. Uh, <laughs> they got the... Well, it was. <laughs> it is. It really is. And uh, I, I don't... Uh, Townsend Coleman, that's the other guy. And, and the thing is this. Okay, they got those voice actors. So what are they going to do? I think they're going to try to appease the 87 fans like the rest of this new series is because they even use heroes in a half shell in the opening. So, so that's all this is. This is this new series is just trying to draw in the people that loved 87 more than anything else. Okay. The yes, they include some of the Mirage stuff in there, but the whole tone is more towards 87, maybe a serious slant on 87, but I've always held there's nothing sacred with turtles because every time someone does it, it's different. And every time someone does it, it's not like the version everyone else knows. And there's always going to be people that, and the 87 fans are the most vocal about this. Some Mirage fans just sort of sit there silently suffering because, because they always get shouted down. It's like, you know, this isn't like the comic book. And I think that's not fair. I, I think that if you take it so damn seriously and say, you know, Baxter Stockman has to be a fly, I respond back, Black Baxter Stockman's supposed to be black. There is no supposed to be's in TMNT. It changes every time. And they you do- either embrace every different version, every different change, and judge them as they are on their own, or you can't 
be objective about it at all, and you have to just admit you're a fanboy of one of them. And each version of the Turtles has has retained some of the stuff from uh, from the '87 series. I mean, in most versions, April O'Neil is a is a reporter, and that was not original to the comic. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. But uh, but the the thing is, if 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 we look at the movie, the actual uh, live action movie, the live action movie was 85% comics, 15% TV show. And that that the first two movies were meant more to please the original comic book fans more than the cartoon fans, yeah. because a lot of it is pretty much play for play exactly how the comics went, and I think that that's part of what made them enjoyable because it really gave early Turtles fans a view of there is more than one version of the Turtles, yeah. versus the. It, 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 it's just really insulting when people say, "Well, when's the Technodrome going to show up?" when they're watching that movie because like. <laughs> There is no technodrome. There's that's no an invention. Brand. Yeah, that's an invention of '87. That's an invention of of of, of, of David, uh, the girl who dated Power uh, Glide, Wise. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> is there a nice way to say it? It's true. <laughs> so again, I say. Either you accept that turtles can change radically every time, mm-hmm. or just flat out admit that you are a fanboy of one version and don't ever use supposed to be. Because you know what? Turtles Forever did slightly, very so gently skew 87 towards silly a little bit, but it is a very small skew. And it was silly anyway. It was. It really was. Like I said, Mutant... Mutant meatballs on pizzas. Technically. The pizza monster. Yeah. Yeah. If it's... And it, in 87 does not age well. After the first five-part mini... After the, the rest, Toei. After the, yeah, after the Toei episodes. It's unwatchable. <laughs> this is all Acom. All the time. And... And that's how I see it. I really do see it. And, and like I said, there is no supposed to be with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There is none. Accept the diversity or admit you're a fan of one. <laughs> and stop bashing Turtles Forever. It is by f- far the best interpretation of all things Turtles. <laughs> because, like I said, you had the guy who wrote the Turtles and created the Turtles working on it. And... Now that that exists, I'm not sure why they're doing another crossover because it's it unless it I, I can't see how it could be bigger than what Turtles Forever was, and if it's not bigger, then what's the point in doing it? It's just kind of it's, okay. The it's old the, Turtles are back again, and it's the wank 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 to '87. If Uncle Phil isn't in it, then I don't know what they're doing. Wanking. See that that was that was another good part of the '87 series. Is, uh, the Shredder and Krang being the the married couple, and and that's one thing that people don't get. People thought that they that they were that there was that's the thing. People acted like these two were supposed to be a real actual threat. Yeah. When you have episodes like the Shredder's mother shows up, takes over the organization, and Shredder can't deal with her nagging, so he sends her to an old folks' home. <laughs> that is an actual episode of '87. Yeah. And I say, when you have episodes like this, how can you say the Shredder is a real serious threat in this series? He really wasn't. He was, like I said, he, he it was like he was married to Krang. 
And and the thing is this, the Turtles Forever made fun of lots of things that kept on happening in 87, things that you always wanted to hear the Shredder say. Like, Krang says, if this were Dimension X, my my army could... And, and Shredder goes, you always talk about your army in Dimension X. Well, they aren't here, are they? Because <laughs> anyone who's seen even a little bit of 87 knows that Krang keeps on talking about, well, if, the, if I had my, my army for Dimension X... He always did that. Yeah. <laughs> and and like I said, just accept it. Accept there's different versions of the Turtles. And accept that 87 was goofy. Accept it. Own it. Accept that Turtles Forever was actually good. Just just relax and accept it. Yeah. Any thoughts here, Neil? No. <laughs> okay, well, I just had to get that off my chest. Because I don't, I don't really appreciate people passing turtles forever, <laughs> like saying they don't understand turtles when the guy who kind of created turtles worked on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, because that's what I always say. It, when when someone says supposed to be with turtles, why do they do that, Neil? Um, nostalgia, I guess. Well, nostalgia is not a good reason. Uh, because anytime anyone says supposed to be with turtles, I ask them one question. Is 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 Splinter Master Yoshi or Master Yoshi's pet rat? And they don't know how to answer that. That's a that's a question that doesn't have a correct answer. Because both versions are kind of... I, I never liked either version of that. I kind of like the pet version more. Seemed the, more noble. The, the pet that learned ninjutsu from his cage... I was like, uh, <laughs> .187. It was cute. Uh, it was cute. It may have been cute, but it was... The, 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 little, the little animatronic that uh, Jim Henson built in the cage that did the kick. Okay, it has Jim Henson going for it, but... <laughs> the little... You don't remember how cute that was? I remember it. I remember the little animatronic rat that was doing the ninja kicks, but... <laughs> See, the Jim Henson point brought, brought it back. <laughs> and the biggest thing to remember about Turtles is the whole thing was created as a joke to spoof Daredevil and X-Men. Because they're teenage mutants, like the X-Men were, ninjas, like Daredevil, and Turtles because Turtles. <laughs> and that's all I have to say about that, and at least they aren't sharks. God, uh, no. Man, that was... Uh... Goddamn Street Sharks and Battletoads. That was like some focus group pencil pusher just analyzing turtles and like coming to all the wrong conclusions. It's like, okay, what's cool about the Ninja Turtles? Okay, they're they're edgy and they're teenagers with attitudes. And it was like, no, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong on all points, you asshole. <laughs> and then the Street <laughs> Sharks came out and I was like, this is this is a travesty. So. <laughs> oh so something else that happened earlier today um you know how deviantart has these group accounts now they're they're basically huge repositories on on deviantart of various artists and if you have a piece of art that's in a group then there's a link on your page where your audience can click and goes to that group and they can see similar works done by other artists so I get this invitation to have something I drew submitted to a Speedo gallery. 
because I did some fan service drawings of my all my main characters a while back. I did Deceen and Parker at at the beach. They were in bikinis, but I also did I also did Lord Crimson in a speedo wading through wading through water and and again the attention that they got is totally lopsided. Everyone likes the girls at the beach, but nobody seems to pay much attention to to the sexy guy drawing that I did. So n- not even the girls, it, it seems. <laughs> they 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 say no, but well, what's interesting is but that they all download it. The number of people who clicked favorite on the Lord Crimson Midnight Dip drawing is still like half male. So I go for something that appeals to women, and I get a bunch of gay dudes. But uh, the Speedo Gallery group is run by a couple guys, so I'm like, okay, well, they're either gay or they're on a swim team or something, whatever. So I'm like, sure, at least someone will appreciate it. Who am I to judge? That's cool. And then, and then he like he sends me a message later. He's like, can you draw my fox character in a Speedo? I'm like, what? No. And I I go to his profile again. I'm like, oh my god, he's a goddamn furry. <laughs> so and I, I have to I have to kind of raise an eyebrow at Fess and go, no, Fess, this, this isn't like Warner Brothers. This isn't like Looney Tunes. <laughs> it's not like goddamn Bugs Bunny. <laughs> no, not at all. Goddamn oh. furries and... Remember, part of that is Archie Sonic's fault. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> it was, I, I, I felt like I got baited into something. I was like, I was okay with, like, the gay guy. And then <laughs> I found out he's a goddamn furry. <laughs> So I just least, kind of quietly left that alone, and at least he's not a baby fur. Oh God, like diapers. I actually, oh yeah, that one guy. I it took me forever to get rid of that guy. He kept fucking contacting me. I'm like, no, I'm not well, going to draw. <laughs> well, first of all, he he explicitly stated that the character was him. This this guy who contacted me like years ago. He was like, draw me as a as a wolf as a wolf cub in a pair of diapers i'm like no <laughs> kept blocking this guy kept like blocking his email from my uh from my email address and oh god damn it and it's like every time he tried i knew it was him well some people are just persistent 